This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and Billy the B. Grant, Dave Laney Lane and Liberal Nick Carthy from the Besotted Podcast. Gents, how are you? Evening, yeah. Um, we're alright actually, yeah. Bit of, a, bit of a light drizzle out there this evening <laughs> and uh, we... we Luckily, we've got overcoats, so we, uh, we're not wet. And you uh, didn't throw them at anyone a la Meza Ertzel? No. Still got them on? Nothing chucks. Well, I mean, I took mine off to come inside here, you know. I don't wear my coat inside. Some people wear their coats inside, don't they? I, d- I believe they do. I, d- I don't personally have a problem with it, but... Uh, I'm sorry I took mine off. Sorry. I'll put it back on if you want me to, you know. Yeah. Laney stuck with it. I, th- I think it looks good. Uh, and talking oh, of... You sil- silver tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much more to come, lady. Don't you worry. <laughs> talking of positive things, the Brentford B team is playing in the London Cup final versus Welling at Wingate. That's Not the cup final. The. You've got to... Ex- put your the, Sorry. The, the cup only final. cup final. The yeah. biggest cup final mm. of all. Well, the biggest cup final on Tuesday, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> In so, Wingate. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah, Brentford B are playing um, Welling. Um, in the London Cup Final, one of two Cup Finals that they're in, actually. And uh, it's in Wingate and Finchley. And it's quite funny because my, uh, my wife's gone away this week. So I'm basically home alone. She's taking the kids and she's taking everyone. And so basically this is the week where I can actually go anywhere in the world or anywhere in the country, you know, actually have a fun day. And uh, they happen to be playing literally about two minutes from my house. So, uh, <laughs> so hang on, Billy. When offered the possibility to go literally anywhere in the world, you've chosen Brentford B in the London Cup final. Well, well they started off being here tonight. Which is <laughs> it's commitment to the cause, both of the show and the club. That's right. You know, that's the Loyal. way it goes. You know, again, you could tell I'm one of these people that you must not take down the casino. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I'll roll the dice. Or, uh, and uh, they have dice at casino, don't they? Yeah. And uh, you expect it to come in red and it will definitely come in black with me. But anyway... You know. We move on <laughs> quick. In, in terms of the game itself and the Brentford B side, how good are they? And are there players in that current roster who you expect to see in the first team in com- coming seasons? I'd say yes. I would very much like to think so. I think we've had 12 players come out of the Brentford B team and gone into the the first team so far, which is actually really good. Um, we had a couple. Well, we had one play definitely on Saturday. We had Mad Beck Sorensen as well. So he's played a few games for the B team. We had Josh De Silva who played as well. Um, I don't know if he played on Saturday. He played played the game beforehand as well. So we've had you know we've had quite a few players that come out. Obviously, the most famous one that's come out of the B team through the B team is Chris Meppham, who came out of the B team, played about thirty games, and then we sold him to Bournemouth for fifteen million pounds, which was uh, you know. A, it was good business, but also it's quite gutting because you didn't actually even really get to sort of hug him because, you know, by the time he actually sort of got, got, got quite good, you know, you're watching him on the screen sort of kind of getting... Well, uh, you can drive... You've got three, three, three nights now. You can drive down to Bournemouth <laughs> and give him a hug if you want. That's right, actually. That's All right. the most glamorous destinations. That's where I'm going to be going tomorrow instead of going down to Wingate and Finchley, down to Bournemouth to hug but Mepham. It's actually quite important, these two cup finals, because they, although they play... The B team do play sort of arranged other B team games or against Academy, or under 23 teams they don't often play men's football and 
these these sort of semi-pro teams, um, the non-league teams, they offer them a different challenge to what they're getting. They're not getting academy, um, highly technical necessarily um, competition. They are getting they're they're getting um, very very like for like tests in their fixtures. But now they're 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 up against kind of warts and all kind of you know players that will give you a kick you know so I think it's really good it's really good experience for them definitely really good experience I mean I saw them last time they played at Wingate and Finchley they actually played 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 Wingate a few weeks ago or a few months ago and um, Wingate put out their first team because the London Senior Cup is actually quite important for for non-league teams so they put their their first team out and it was a proper proper battle and as we say, you know, I mean, sometimes Brentford do play teams who mix and match between playing under 23s and playing, you know, first team regulars. You know, when, when we went down to see the Brentford play QPR that time, there was a mixture between sort of under 23 players with QPR. Plus they had Silla and a number of first teamers in there as well. So it pro- provides a real test for Brentford. So going to this, you know, games like this, like I said to you, are really, you know, they are really important. Like I said to you, we went to Dundalk last season. And it was a pre-season friendly for them. And we just thought, you know, normally pre-season friendly is a little bit of a walk in the park. But this was proper, it was like a cup final. And the fans were so potty for it. It's like, you know, yeah, we, you know, they were singing and cheering and chanting at us and pointing at us and everything like that. Because, you know, they scored goals against us. So we're thinking, oh, God, this is pre-season friendly. But it was actually more blood and thunder. So it's really good that they do that. And uh, like I said to you, hopefully, um, I think there's a couple of players that they're expecting to to come out of it well quite a lot but uh, Kenson is what is one of them as well and I think um is it Zambrick yeah yeah um and yeah there's I mean there's there's a fair there's a few players that they're expecting will actually pop their head and there's a, I'm hearing there's a chance that we'll be playing Man City they're they're under 23s at Griffin Park possibly at the end of the season depends on Man City's fixtures in a couple of competitions but there's a there's a chance that'll happen so that'd be a you know a, a decent freebie but look at the last three games that Brentford B played they played against Notre Dame Notre Dame's men's soccer team the univer- the American University lost that one one nil they then uh, did a uh, European jaunt and that's the thing about the Brentford B team is you know they go round the world or certainly round Europe playing teams um, they lost two nil to uh, Nice Reserve. Um, on Tuesday last week and then Thursday last week they bounced back by beating Genoa, Genoa. B team 6-1 smashed the Genovese weren't happy about that at all you know they're all rioting and looting all over the place uh, I'm lying actually it's, it's a beautiful place Genoa so mm-hmm. I hope that uh, at least they didn't get uh, at least they could have enjoyed their uh, uh, Parmesan while well, uh, you know, <laughs> well, uh, after after the game but you know to, to go from that to playing Welling United I mean with no disrespect to Welling United if you play Genoa and Nice in your last two games, and then you're in Wingate and Finchley, and no disrespect to your local locality, Bill. But, you are you know, taking a step down in terms of cuisine. Aren't exactly. You? Well, At definitely a step down in terms so, of cuisine. Are you, you going to be ready, and are you going to be up for the game? It is. Can you perform on a cold, wet night in Wingate and Finchley? <laughs> it's, it's like a random fixture, like a computer that which chucked in. You could end up with Welling or. Juventus, it's it's kind of you know they're re- they're really all over the place, aren't they? These fixtures, but that's presumably good preparation for these guys who could be able to make the step up to the first team. And for them, it was interesting, Dave. You were talking about this kind of game against the semi-pro sides being real, you know, a real battle. You're gonna get kicked. How important is that kind of game where you do get knocked about a bit in terms of preparing you for a really competitive league like the championship yeah it is important and to play in front of a crowd whether you know they're not going to play in front of more than a couple of hundred people on the training pitches that they 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 play most of these fixtures on so to to play at griffin park where there's been a fair decent turnout it's probably been four or five hundred for quite a few of their games and sometimes a little bit more it's about over a thousand for the men united game i think it was yeah there's a thousand over a thousand for that so um, these, I would imagine, there'll be sort of elite, high hundreds, if not low, you know, low thousand for the for the cup final matches. The one at Griffin Park, especially. So yeah, a bit of an atmosphere and a, and a bit of a bit of kind of like banter as well. So it's you know, it's, yeah, it is important. And are we expecting a good result for Brentford B is the big question. Well, I've got to be honest with you, I have no idea because <laughs> no, I don't because it's difficult because you're playing, you know, Welling. Welling are in the. I think they're in the. I, th- I think they might be in the. Um, the I think in the Ismian Premier. Premier. I think yeah. they might be might be in the Ismian Premier. I think it, that they may be, um, which is one one league below. Again, um, they played Dulwich Hamlet in a in a previous 
previous round and uh, and they beat them. So you would have said probably in principle, if they're in the in, in the league below them, then they should beat them. But again, that 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 Hamlet game was a was a tough game for the bees, and uh, and Welling and I know Welling and Dulwich go toe to toe, you know, at times as well. So you know, one could win one time, another can win the other time. So you never know. But I would like to. It's a bit of a weird one because. You're almost like in a bit of two minds because you, you know you, um, there's a, a few of the non-league fans who are going, oh no, our, our cup has been devalued because we've got Brentford B in it. You know what I'm saying? And and you can kind of understand where they're saying um, from that. You know, you know they, they, they're used to having it pure bread where you've got you know Hayes and you know Harlington and you know Hayes and and, and Dulwich and all these teams playing. All of a sudden Brentford B come in. You know, it's a team of Premier League players who can't quite get in. Probably quite similar to what's happening with the Checker Trade Trophy with, you know, the under-23 under team. So you can understand from that. Now, what is interesting, what Brentford did, obviously, when we played Dulwich in the last round, even though it was meant to be played at Griffin Park, we immediately switched it to their ground and we decided to give them all the money. And that was like, Dulwich went, that's fantastic, that's really brilliant. And I think that was a real gesture there as well. Now we've got the final, which is happening at Wingate and Finchley. And, um, you know... I, I, I don't know, in, in, in two ways. Yes, I'd love them to win, but in a, another way, I just kind of want... The, the most important thing is they put on a decent performance and you see two or three players out there, you think, he's half decent. That's the most important thing for me. Well, it's a big challenge for Brentford B and we can only hope for a good result. And it was a big challenge for the first team. Sorry, It, it was, and just to let people know, 7.45 kick-off Wingate and Finchley Football Club, which is, well, Summers Lane is, is, is where it is. It's actually not the street, but some, if you just look for Summers Lane in Finchley N12 as well, which is just off the A406, just up from there, you can get there. It's probably a half an hour's drive from Brentford as well. So uh, go down there, support the B team. Yeah, nice little bar, really friendly in the bar actually at Wingate, actually, which is very important. <laughs> it's important, you know. Billy, who is our resident expert in all footballing bars, you got a positive review there, so yes. it must be fun. Uh, for the first team, it was of course a tough one, but a good, good game against Derby at the weekend. Drew three all, and coming up, we'll be hearing from both Brentford and Derby fans from the pub after the game. This is Love Sport. It was the best game of football seen at Griffin Park this season, definitely. Fantastic, you know, fantastic advert for championship football. Um, I'm glad Brentford hang in there. I, I reckon if Brentford had gone and managed to get a goal, managed to get the lead, we probably could have won that game. Um, above all, Derby absolutely scrapping it out. I was disappointed in the fact that... Uh, you know, there perhaps was a bit of play acting went on from the Derby players. But apart from that, no, one can't fault it. Fantastic game of football. Roll on the rest of the season. And what's really made me pleased is it shows that Brentford haven't given up. Yeah, I thought the ref was rubbish today. I thought he was pony. Um, and it's good to be saying that from a position of not losing a game and sounding bitter. But uh, the quality of refs continues to, to baffle me. But it was a fantastic game of football. You know, against a good team, a lot of experienced players. I looked at Derby's subs bench. They all looked like they were at least twice as old as most of our kids. I think they were. And they, and they probably were. And that's, that, that's their style and good luck to them. I thought coming back three times showed lots of character. Um, yeah, it was enjoyable. We've got nothing left to play for this season other than a bit of fun. Maybe just screw up lead season or, you know, anybody else's. But you know, credit, credit to the manager and the team. Good substitutions. Yeah, you know, good goals, good attitude, good game. I think if we'd have got, uh, I do think if we'd have got our noses ahead in the second half, we would have, you know, I think we would have seen it home just about. I think De Silva for Macocho, I, I mean, that didn't strengthen us by any stretch of the imagination. Um, although I thought De Silva was all right today, and actually, I think what I saw today was that he's actually more of an obvious replacement for Sawyer's in that two-man midfield than Macocho. I think Rico was probably just not quite match fit he had a you know he had a reasonable game but there was a lot going on down inside and um, every now and then he was getting caught out it's so tight up at the top there's so many teams involved we need to keep winning of course take a point away from home as you said but I thought we'd play well today we just our defence let us down again really impressed with uh, with Brentford actually the way that you play from the back as you mentioned earlier like we, we pressed you and pressed you you played through us like you know how to play and when you press us we can't play out from the back and that's been our struggle. We're still learning that way to play. You guys have been playing that way for, what, three or four years probably now. And you've got players that are comfortable playing out. They know how to make space. What Liberal Nick was saying about you guys turning up and really playing for it. Please keep doing that. Please keep turning up, playing and battling like you did today. Because 
you guys gave us a real game and we hope we do back to Leeds and the rest of the, the rest of the top six you're playing this season fantastic I really enjoyed it I thought uh, Bradford played really well I thought we played really well just really disappointed to given the uh, lead away three times in the game since Bradley Johnson came back into the side uh, we've, we've just got that bit bit more aggression and it's been good to see I don't think it was particularly dirty on either side uh, but yeah I for one have been uh, pleased to see that extra edge in the game from us well uh, London Irish uh, arrived early didn't they it was a bit, bit of a rugby game today um, no, uh, Joe it was a thriller and we were saying oddly satisfying for, for a game that we were never ahead in um, and it shows that at home we can go toe to toe with anyone in the division that as well, Moneyball defeats ageing legends. You know, I, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of the youngsters coming in, but uh, you, know, you don't want Balcom starting and then conceding four or five like, like um, Bonham. A little a Tim, Tim Pot Club knocking a big club out of the playoffs. I, I, I'm a bit worried we might not get back to our sacred 10th place. Wonderful to hear from both Brentford and Derby fans in the pub there after the game. A wonderful feature of the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And I was interested by one thing that a Derby fan said there, which is that he didn't think it was particularly dirty from either side. Do you guys subscribe to that view? No. <laughs> it was, uh, they, were, they, they came out of the traps with a very desperate mindset. Uh, it was obviously a very critical game for them. You know, they're, they're, they're sniffing at the playoffs. Um, Frank Lampard's first, first season in control there. He, he expects to achieve something. He's, he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders, I would imagine. Um, and they were they were they were chasing every ball and kicking and um, fouling and I can't even use the word what they were doing but housery is the word a certain kind of shed shedhousery shedhousery yes. um, and they they were they were prolific at it and you know I was I was very surprised that the the game ended with with a full complement of players I expected someone to be sent off probably from a, wearing my Brentford hat from their side um, but it did get a bit niggly it did it did get niggly and also we forget this until you know when they were talking there today um, Akocho got Polex as well um, he got completely and utterly Polex then I didn't remember and he obviously got substituted off for um, Josh De Silva um, and, and it's interesting that as well, because um, as we talked about so many times, um, Makocho is so crucial to our game. And I think that made us a little bit nervous because when Makocho um, didn't play against, um, was it Swansea? Mm-hmm. I think he didn't play against yeah. Swansea and Josh De Silva played against Swansea. And he had an all right game, but you could see that, you know, was it, was it him that didn't play? Was it Sawyers? No, it's Sawyers that didn't play. And I think Josh De Silva came in and you noticed that sort of creativity wasn't quite there. So a little bit nervous, but I think Josh De Silva actually did all right against Derby. And <clears throat> obviously he must have done all right because we, we kept coming back and, and, and scoring 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 goals to get them i took a bit of flack on social media after the, after my comments went up you know about talking about it was one of the best games that i've seen this season by best game i don't mean that it was quality i mean it wasn't you know the the there wasn't that much football on display but it was a competitive game um and for all round entertainment the crowd were up for it there was a vocal crowd six goals players were wound, winding each other up there was a bit of shenanigans going on with That's managers the alternative other... to housery i believe well exactly yeah. yeah shenanigans yeah i like that word you know it, it was a few if, if you were a new, and it was our <laughs> biggest crowd of the season and if you were a neutral or if you had decided let's try let's try and go down to griffin park and see what it's all about you would have probably gone away from that game and thought yeah i've seen a really really good game of football it was all what it was what championship football is about and why the championship is the best league that there is in europe I thought, I thought that Brentford showed real character in the fact that four or five years ago, we wouldn't have got anything out of that game. They came and they played, they, they made their tricks, they used their professional um, know-how to, to, to waste time, to buy tackles, you know, to, buy, to win free kicks rather. Um, they left their foot in once or twice. We, they went a goal up. And there's so many very games, early, so, yeah, very early. And there's so many games throughout history I've seen that we don't come back from that. We end up coming away seething and frustrated, and we come back three times. And 
we we didn't look out of our depth and we didn't look phased or panicky you know each time we went behind they they just thought right okay we're going to go up the other end and score and they did and then full, three good goals as well full credit to thomas frank he outmanaged frank lampard in that game i reckon i mean i think if you you know yeah there are probably actually thomas frank has got more experience all round of being a manager than frank lampard has but frank lampard is reckoned to be the brightest new thing it, again you know if you come down to griffin park to have a look at uh, frank lampard and see whether he could be the next Chelsea manager or what have you you actually your eyes might have been more drawn towards seeing whether Thomas Frank might be you know the next premiership manager because he did he did so well in that in in that regard the team the team really really battled for it and as Dave said you know they didn't give up and there are too many times this season that I've been concerned particularly in the last couple of games last month or so is that perhaps the players have decided well we're not going to get anything out of the rest of this season we might we but on the proverbial beach, as it were. And just, Absolutely no evidence of that and, on and Saturday. Just, and just a quick point, as we always like to point towards our statties, we haven't got um, XG Dave here today, so <laughs> but we'll just point out just quickly, from an XG point of view, from that game creating chances, Brentford are so, so to be quite honest, 1.17 for Brentford and 1.49 for Derby, so they were creating better chances than us, but it looks like that we were converting everything that was put in front of us. So it's a sort of slightly different game where Brentford sometimes has a high XG and doesn't score any goals. This time, actually, we scored three goals. I know XG was kind of like in the, in the sort of OK area. But also what's interesting, we've been monitoring this since January as well. Derby County have always been up in the playoffs. They've been sixth place. But on the XG, on the um, expected goals table... They've been 18th. They've been kind of like, basically, they've been punching, punching, punching. They've moved up slightly up to 16 now, but all the signs are still saying that Derby are basically doing better than what their performances are saying. So if they do get in the playoffs, and I'm sort of thinking I don't think they will do, but if they do get in the playoffs, the question marks out as to whether or not they'll actually be able to get through. Um, I don't think they will. I, 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 that, to me, sums up why I still don't remain to be convinced about XG. And, you know, I will have... Thomas Frank and everybody at the Brentford management coming down on me for saying that. But, you know, football is a game where you just try and score more goals than the, the opponents. It doesn't matter whether you have one chance or 50 chances. As long as you score more goals and win the game, that to me is the XG factor in football. So, I'm sorry, I mean, I'm a Luddite, you I know. Think, yeah, I'm but, a Luddite. But, but, but I think, you know, and again, we're not going to go too, too much, but the whole thing about it is that it basically means it's like who's wasting chances, who's kind of been lucky. You look at the issue table and the teams that are right at the top, Leeds United, Sheffield United, you know, West Brom, you know, the teams that are up the top are up there. So basically they're up there on merit. And then you get these other teams that are basically kind of chancing a little bit. Tables but, don't lie. Well, there is, there is a question. Of if Well, they could do. But if like Derby, you're lucky on a really consistent basis, there might be some kind of method to that luck. I'm not, I'm not sure. Reading t- two, two, years, two years ago, prime example, third place, the XG was 18th all the way through the season. Lucky, 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 lucky. They got the playoffs. They didn't get it. The following season, they were floundering, almost got relegated. They still, this season, still have still been ever since, you know, they? They were punching massively. Hopefully, they'll be know? floundering on Saturday. All, all their luck happened within one season. The ball would hit the post and instead of going wide, it'll go into the post and it happened all the time when we played them and we lost 4-3 I think it was at their ground or 3-2 fantastic game and I, I don't know how we lost that game but basically I think all their chances that they shot three shots went in and all our 25 that we had didn't I think the telltale sign about Derby though is they look they look desperate they looked a desperate team they didn't look a quality team I didn't think they looked like they were that they were scrapping for it. They, I don't think there's a lot of belief there that they it's going to happen. If they if it is going to happen, they're going to have to literally crawl up that ladder. Well, their owner has literally mortgaged their ground to make sure that they try to get into the Premiership this this year. You know, and yes, it could it could fail. So next next year, if they don't do it, is going to be interesting. Mm. 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 that might prove Nick's point or Billy might be vindicated you're going to have to stay with us for a whole year to find out you should stay with us for now certainly because coming up Brentford launched a diversity event at the Novotel Hotel on Thursday on Friday they released a wonderful video about inclusion at the club and then on Saturday we got the sad news that a club that a player rather a player a season ticket holder has been arrested for allegedly chanting racist abuse at a derby player so where does the club come down on all of these things we'll find out in just a moment this is love sport 
You're listening to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. And towards the end of last week, Brentford launched a campaign. They bought into Kick It Out's initiative to stand against racism in football, released a wonderful video citing the squad's 15 nationalities, the fact that players of all races, colours, creeds are welcome at the club. And there was also an event at a hotel, I believe, Billy. That's right, at the Nova Hotel Hotel. Um, it's the Be Together campaign which Brentford have launched and basically what it is that they've uh, they've they've upped the ante um, with a campaign and, and a strategy to, to they say to combat racism and prejudice and more importantly to, to broaden what is, and this is much more important just to broaden the Brentford fan base so basically what they're doing they're looking out there and just thinking tell you something who wants to come to Brentford and how can we talk to you and how can we bring you on board and you can be part of this wonderful club you know we, we, so that's what that's the main thing about it so it's actually a very very positive event um, you know, I went down there, a number of other fans went down there as well, about 80, 90 people inside the room. On the panel was Marcus Gale, ex-Brentford player Marcus Gale, who we'll be talking to in just a minute. Um, Salma Mahmood as well, who is a, a Muslim Brentford player. She plays for Brentford. Um, Liam Ferdinand, who is, uh, um, not sorry, not Liam Ferdinand, it's Leon Resedia who is uh, Leroy Rossini's son. He actually um, commentates on the Sky FL goal show and on Sky, but also he is a coach in himself, and obviously his dad used to be Brentford manager, and he wrote a book called It's All About the Banter, about racism in football. Anwar Din, who's the FSF and uh, Kick It Out um, diversity manager. Chris Barros, who's, uh, she, she, she does a lot of activ- activism work within the football um, world. Romain Sawyers, Brentford captain as well, and Thomas Frank, Brentford head coach so those people there on the panel and it was a really good discussion really positive evening but let's have a little listen to this little piece that Brentford put out which is actually a video but we're just taking the audio from it which is basically Brentford players talking about their thoughts and uh, a vision for Brentford many different nationalities but we have the same culture respect for each other there's no place for racism or discrimination of any kind in football our strength is our unity. La langue n'est pas un problème quand tu partages les mêmes ambitions. Vengamos de donde vengamos, todos hablamos el mismo idioma. Brentford. Football is about performance. Without diversity, we are all the same. Football is our common language. Brentford. 15 nationalities, one language. Football. Brentford. 15 nationalités, un langage. Football. Brentford. 15 nationalities, it's all football. We play as a team, everyone equal, everyone together. The nearest foul that betrays noget, and then foul we still play like. Language is no problem when you share the same goals. Sport is not a problem when we have the same goal. There is no such thing as discrimination in educated minds. Many different nationalities, but we share the same culture, respect each other. Different nationalities, but we share the same culture, the respect. Brentford. Together we celebrate value difference. Discrimination weakens us. Diversity strengthens us. We have come from far and wide, but we all speak the same language, Brentford. A wonderful video there from Brentford with a wonderful and important message. Diversity strengthens us, which means the news that on Saturday a Brentford season ticket holder was arrested for allegedly chanting monkey noises at a Derby player makes that news all the more troubling. In just a moment, we will be joined on the line by Marcus Gale, who's an ex-Brentford player and uh, a kick-out ambassador himself, for a chat about those allegations and how they tie into the campaign. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by Marcus Gale who's an ex-Brentford player and a quality inspires and life skills tutor for Kick It Out. Evening Marcus, thanks ever so much for joining us on the line. How disappointed are you about this news coming from the club at the weekend? Yeah, quite disappointed. Um, I'm also delighted with the response by the club with issuing a statement and and going through the procedures as they should um, in, in the correct manner. So a bit of both. It's, it's a mixed feeling, but yeah, I think the right thing's been done. The process is in place and, and now we just await to see what really happens. I mean, Marcus, how are you doing? It's Billy, yeah? Late. Yeah, man. So listen, I mean, I think we need to emphasise. We need to emphasise the point yeah. very, very, very quickly here as well. I mean, obviously, um, situations come in place. I mean, we we actually didn't even know anything had happened 
um, yeah. uh, until we got back to the pub, I think it was. So we didn't know anything about it, hadn't mm. seen anything about it. Everything that you see is flying around in the, the internet ether, the, the press ether, but people don't know. Um, somebody yeah. has been arrested, hasn't been charged. Um, and um, from what I can gather, you know, decisions are being made. Um, it is innocent until proven guilty. So I think we have to be very careful Correct. here because we have a situation yeah. which is happening and it's go- there's a process that's going through. So I think whatever has happened here, we it's much better if we actually talk about what is happening at Brentford in general because yeah. there's a lot of things that were happening at Brentford before this actual incident on Saturday. Yeah. And it's almost like this incident on Saturday is taken away from whatever may or may not be happening at Brentford. And I think this is very important to talk about that because that's, that's key because that's going to go on um, much further than what happens with this incident in, in the future. Do, yeah. do, do you understand, True. Marcus? You know? I totally understand that. I think you know the event we had... At Brentford last Thursday with Kick It Out was a really good experience for those that didn't really understand exactly what Kick It Kick It Out does and what we're about. Um, but it's important for the fans to engage and have a platform where they can ask questions and, and try and get the right answers as well. So I thought that was a big success of the club, and it shows the club have got this at the forefront of their mind: is that football is for everybody, for all their fans. Um, to come and enjoy and I think that's the most important message that they've, they've sent out there Marcus can I ask were you ever on the receiving end of racist abuse as a player not as a player no um, I'll tell you what, what it is it's, <laughs> we had a session we had an event with Kick Out a few weeks ago and one of the players there Carlton Cole he summed it up just how I would have summed it up and, and I will uh, you hear certain terminologies in and amongst your own but it's not directed at you. It's directed at the opponents or the opposition. Um, for me, it was like, I don't want to not have a career based on me challenging these guys when I'm 18, 19, 20, trying to establish myself in the game. I don't want to be looked upon as a troublemaker and a bad egg and, and be released and can't even get another club. And then my dream is over. So, so, Marcus, do you way, think if you'd stood up to racism as a younger player, you might not have had the career you had in the game? Yeah, I, I believe so, because it was rife then. Um, bad news travelled extremely quick, um, and I didn't want to have that having an effect on me. So, to a point, I blocked that out. Marcus, is- direct, I, I never heard anything direct to me on, on the pitch itself, um, so... I don't experience that at all. It's interesting you say that, Marcus, because this is part of the forum, and this is what we, you know, we talked about a lot of things on the forum, and one of the things that we talked about was um, mm. basically the clubs, clubs being react, um, clubs being proactive. And I told, yeah. you know, I told a story about when I was younger, and I used to get yeah. beaten. I used to get beaten black and blue by my own supporters at Brentford, run, run all over the place mm. by my own supporters, and the club didn't back me when I asked them to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And nowadays, what's happened is interestingly, recently we've had players who actually have put their head above the parapet and said, actually, yeah. that's wrong. Whereas in your day, that never used to happen, which is quite bad for black supporters because you're going there and you're thinking, I'm not getting any backup from the clubs. I'm not getting any yeah. backup from the players. I'm not getting any backup for anything. Also, what was interesting is when Thomas Frank, the very first thing that he said, mm. you remember what he said? He said, I would rather, if there was any racism on the pitch, I would rather remove my players off the pitch than be promoted to the Premier League. And that kind yeah. of got a gush of a, a real gush in from all the everyone went whoa inside yeah. that and to me I was thinking if somebody had said that to me when I was 16 years old I would have been so proud thinking I want to back that club and all my mates yeah. are going to come down there too do you think there's a big change now in what's happening with the with the youth then with the players actually speaking out most definitely I'd like to add to that the advent of social media has definitely given the players the platform they don't need the press to go and release anything so when Raheem Sterling after he played Chelsea, he didn't go to the press. He'd done that on social media. So that's what caused the, the, the sort of attention. Um, back in our day, there was no such thing as social media. If we had to, if, if the fans needed to know about us, they'll, they'll find out about us in the matchday programme or a newspaper. So who can we go to in the newspaper to say, well, this is happening? Who could you go to at the club and write in the programme, well, this is happening? That's not really going to be printed. So the fact that social media is alive and kicking now, it's giving players the biggest opportunity to share their story and engage with the fans of what is really happening. Hi, Marcus. It's Dave here. 
Um, I know. So, I mean, obviously, it's, 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 it's a bit ironic that these the two incidents have happened within sort of 48 hours of each other, pretty much. We've had this like, really positive uh, uh, launch and um, the club directive and the, the evening yeah. at Novotel. And then 72 hours later on, or 42 hours later, you, we've got an incident that, you know, um, has, has kind of blown up and possibly could have undone in in a in a PR perspective a lot of the good mm. work I mean obviously as Billy said he's innocent until proven guilty and yeah. the, the whole procedure will go through and let's hope it, you know let's hope that you know it's it's a positive outcome for everyone but you know do you do you feel that it's it's the timing of it has been bad or is it kind of does it does it heighten the heighten the discussion almost I think it heightens the discussion. It, it's it's got the club on its toes in terms of they're on point with all their procedures. Things are in place. This is a, a good test, and I think the club embraced that as well. Um, and the fans need to to to, to join that as well. Um, it's not trying to throw someone under a bus, but it's trying to, to establish the details, the facts, what was said, what was not said, and, and sift through all of that before. Ultimately, a decision is made. Um, now, the, the, the ultimate decision—well, the first decision won't be from the club, will it? It'll be from the police, from their investigation, and then the second will be by the club. So, I think the club have gone out their way and put that statement out there to say, if um, found guilty, then that's the, the next process is you know looking to ban the individual. Um, Marcus, it's... It, it, it will it will be a positive thing as well. I know it's it's negative, but there will be positives that will come out of it as well. And you know, we've got a good set of fans at Brentford that really get passionate behind the team. Saturday's game, when you look at the game, it it was spicy. It had a lot of drama, had a lot of antagonism by both sets of players to a degree, um, and it made for a great atmosphere for for everyone to watch. Marcus, it's liberal, Nick. You've probably been listening to some of the comments that I made on the podcast by the sounds of that, but uh, by the, sound, the way you summarised the game. But what more do you think the club should now do? You're right. It was great that the club issued that statement. Um, immediately, they were made aware of what the situation yeah. was. Is there anything else the club could do in the, in the next week um, uh, within the provisos, of course, is that we still wait for the CPS to uh, lay charges. Um, is there anything more you'd like to see the club doing and working with supporters to make sure that we can stamp out racism? I think the club are working with the right relevant bodies, trying to get information. Um, maybe even offered myself personally to help, even if this fan you know, was to be found guilty or, or, or not, I would personally sit and have a conversation with the person and I'm trying to understand from his perspective um, and I can share from a footballing perspective of how it, how it's wrong um, and how it affects people and, and is it needed in the game. So I think the club are doing the right things. Um, they've had, you know, a couple forums in the recent past as well. So they're doing the right things. There's not much more that the club can do at this present time, apart from just be consistent with the message which is that it's got zero tolerance for any form of racism or discrimination. Yeah, yeah. Again, and just quickly, I'm just going to say this, Marcus, from what your performance there. Again, we, we, there, there mustn't be presumption that this person is guilty because you say must sit down and yeah. talk to him. I think this is a very important point to say here as well. Innocent until proven guilty. That it's in the system now. And then I think yeah, we yeah, need to just course. kind of, you know, to chill out and move on and see what happens from there. Johnny, I think you've got something to say. Yeah. Marcus, I was having a chat with Charlton striker Lyle Taylor on the Charlton show yeah. last week, uh, and Lyle was on the receiving end of racist abuse on Twitter after they beat uh, Bradford 1-0. He was just sent a sequence of banana emojis, uh, and he was discussing what he would do if he received racist abuse on the pitch. He said he mm-hmm. would walk off straight away. Having none of it, he would walk off. And then we've seen Raheem Sterling today, who has himself been repeatedly on the end of receiving abuse, uh, racist abuse on the pitch say well walking off as far as he's concerned isn't the solution Raheem was saying the yeah. best thing to do is stand stay on the pitch score a goal beat them and make your point that way if you yeah. were still playing as a player and heaven forbid you were exposed to chanting of this kind or abuse or whatever it may be how would you respond would you walk off the pitch um, I'd be extremely angry and upset what I would have done maybe at 18, I would have been probably too angry to make a proper decision at the time and probably take it out and, and lash out on someone. However, what I teach the players up and down the country is that you can't take it into your own hands. 
there's a protocol that we show the players to take, um, which is to, to go to the referee um, and make your complaint to him. Um, we put a scenario, if the referee doesn't want to listen, who do you go to next? They say to the fourth official. I say, yeah, you can do that. Or go to who? Your coach. Your coach can go back to the fourth official, have a discussion and take it up with, with their coach and then something can be done. There is a three-step process that should happen if it happens in in a match. It's to stop the match um, by the referee. Uh, he will go over to the match day announcer to, to say, look, put an announcement that the game could be stopped if this sort of abuse keeps happening. And if it does keep happening, then the third bit is to probably take the, both teams off the pitch. So it's not a case of players trying to do it on their own because they can't because the headline would be just about the player walking off the pitch and not about dealing with the actual chanting that's um, making that player walk off the pitch or giving him the choice to walk off the pitch. Uh, to me, OK, Marcus, so, I mean, we've got a situation where Thursday I thought was very positive. The thing I thought was really good about Thursday is in that room, it wasn't like negativity people saying, oh, this has happened, yeah. that has happened. Everyone was actually positive how they can move forward positively. Also, quite interestingly, yeah. you know, after the incident on Saturday, a lot of Brentford fans were almost like up in arms because they want to protect their club saying, our club yeah, isn't like that. Our club's not like that. We want to prove to the world that our club isn't like that. To me, it's almost like this incident that's happened is almost like kind of taken away from the sort of kind of positive spin where, you know, we were looking at the club, I'd say finally actually doing, putting a bit of action in because most football clubs, they've been really lazy in this area. They've been so lazy. They just cross the I's and dot the T's, but it looked like they were actually going to do a number of positive things. And the question I'm asking is that for me, the most important thing was what, what's happened on Saturday. And like I said to you, I'm going to sort of blank that out to a certain extent because it's kind of like mm. Lampard said something, police is arrested, it's gone off into the corner. I'm more important into the, the creative strategies that the club are putting into place so that so fans, black fans, Asian fans, all sorts of fans feel comfortable yeah. in their club. They're willing to bring their friends down and they're willing to actually yeah. bring more people in there. That to me is the most important thing. Um, one thing that was interesting is that um, um, uh, talking about a positive strategy, Sweden, you've got that Jimmy Dermaz um, situation. You remember that as well? The Jimmy Dermaz where the guy in uh, played for Sweden and he gave away a free kick to Germany and he got properly racially abused, the Swedish player. Mm. And uh, But what happened is that his whole team and the whole country and the whole Swedish FA and everyone like that came out, did a video and it was F racism i mean the, the word yeah. wasn't it went out it went viral but i thought that was brilliant because what you've got is that you've got the whole fa the whole of his team coming out and to me players talking is the key players need to well, talk Brentford had that on thursday with that, that goosebump video that they produced with all the first team showing that there's 15 different nationalities but it's one language and that's brentford the love of playing for brentford that's what unites players and fans up and down the country, and, and that's what Brentford are leading in. They're leading in with, with this uh, inclusive, diversive uh, culture around the club because the team is actually showing that. that It's going to have fans that are from 15 different nationalities sitting up in the crowd. You're going to attract fans from all different parts of the world, which is brilliant. That's what you want. Um, and especially going into a new stadium, you want to attract as many new fans as possible, um, especially the local ones as well, which the club are working on, on as we speak. So for me, the club's in, in, in a good position and place to to keep on implementing positivity around fan engagement. And um, they've got my full backing with it. Marcus, that's a wonderful message and it's been wonderful speaking to you. Thanks ever so much for your time. That was Marcus Gale there, the former Brentford player and a quality inspires and life skills tutor for Kick It Out. Stay with us here on the Brentford Fan Show because coming up, we will turn our attentions to Ipswich. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and Besotted. A quick update from the Premier League action with 30 seconds left to play. It is Chelsea 2, West Ham 0. Aiden Hazard adding his second of the night there. We're turning our attention to Brentford's upcoming clash with Ipswich Town. And I'm delighted to say we are joined by Ben Bloom from the Blue Monday podcast. Ben, thanks ever so much for joining us. Not been the best of seasons for the Tractor Boys. Um, that's an understatement, yeah. Everything that could possibly have gone wrong has gone wrong. But fortunately, we're we're kind of at peace with it now. Um, um, it was a game against Reading probably three or four weeks ago where 
last minute defeat and it was kind of okay look we're we're down now and for once hopefully we get a long organized pre-season and come back next year a little bit stronger than we have previously ben billy here mate how are you Hey, Bill. Great to hear from you. Yeah, and yourself, mate. Tell you something. We're just gonna, we're going to make this easy for you, mate. Because what we're going to do, I know there's been a lot of doom and gloom, but we're going to try and talk and bring it up a bit. Alan Judge, how how has Alan Judge been for you guys? Alan Judge has been great, and you probably know he's just signed a two-year deal um, with an auction for a third year, and um, we just think it's really important to have a player who's been sort of so good at championship level before the injury commit himself to the club ahead of going into league one and we hope that um he can stay fit and if he does i'm sure he's going to have a great season at, at that lower level and really get back to maybe not the player he was in 15 16 for you guys but um some somewhere near his, his potential now do, don't you think it's a bit, I mean, and it's really great that he's got a team and he's put it behind him. Don't you think it's kind of unusual? Because obviously uh, Alan Judge's sort of career kind of uh, reached a crossroads at uh, Ipswich, shall we say, where he's obviously, you know, because of that, he was out for a couple of years. Um, do, does that, do, do fans talk about that at all? Um, not so much anymore. I think that all, the last game up at Brentford when, High and played, and Judge came back, and they sort of came face to face. I think that was the end of that story, really. And I suppose there's, um, like we said, so much doom and gloom at Ipswich that to have a player now, all we want to see is him um, kind of roaming around and being the playmaker that we know he can be. So not so much, but I'm looking forward to seeing how, because um, I know he'll get a good reception on on Wednesday night. It is part of the story, but. I think now there's enough water under the bridge, don't you? Um, hi, mate. It's this Dave here. Um, hi, Dave. Hi, mate. So this is, you know, being in the third tier of English football is, is something that's become alien to it, which town fans, you've, you've had a, an amazing run. Um, it's been, you know, decades, really, isn't it? Um, since you came out of, out of the third tier and you had your amazing European success. Do, do you, are you nervous about what, what could happen you know you, you could get I mean Sheffield United they were trapped down there for best part of a decade really so going down doesn't necessarily mean you're going to come back up are you are you are you equipped are you prepared have you got your infrastructure right you know you sign Alan Judge he's got great experience at that level but it's, it's not going to be an easy fight to come straight back is it no I mean yeah we are obviously nervous the worst case scenario is you you're down and and you stay down really and I think the way it is now is that if you don't have parachute parachute money, excuse me, or have had Premier League money in the last five years, and I mean, you guys, Sheffield United, Preston, people like that, even Leeds to a certain extent, all work wonders um, having never had that money. If you consistently don't have that, you you drop down to a level below sort of half the championship teams and it's halves and have nots and I mean if you look at the Brentford model you've done brilliantly at I mean you pay good wages um, but you've done brilliantly at bringing through players and making up that shortfall by you know consistently signing good players and selling them on we haven't found any way of making up that shortfall in the in the Evans years and it's kind of been inevitable but um, in some ways the the real hope is what actually happened at Sheffield United is, in the end, they cleaned the club out and got everyone in on League One contracts, on sensible wages, moved back up with a fresh start. And if that takes a couple of years to kind of clean the club out, get the fans back, get a winning mentality back, then we'll take that. But obviously, a lot of people are going to be looking at it and thinking they should come straight back if... Evans, you know, spends near what he's been spending already. Ben, it's Nick. You here? You've had a couple of um, uh, you've had a couple of good results uh, away from home actually since you lost uh, lost uh, to Reading because you drew West Brom and with Bristol City. Why is it that you play that much better away than you do at home? Um, I don't want to sound defeatist. We caught both of those teams at good times. We did catch West Brom right at the end of 
the Darren Moore thing where the fans were a bit bewildered. And as you've seen with Bristol City, they kind of run out of steam um, after the international break. Um, maybe there's, I mean, they are playing with freedom now. They're, you know, as good as down and away from home is obviously a little bit easier. But, I mean, you guys are known for just creating so many chances but, um, at Griffin Park that if you if you gave me 1-1 one, one now, I would shake hands with you and we'll, we'll just go to the pub and miss the game, I think. You're not having it. <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, you've already sort of preempted my question. So game, big game tomorrow, just very briefly. Wednesday. Um, well, sorry, I think it's tomorrow, but Wednesday, we've we got a big cup game tomorrow. But um, Wednesday, um, play Bradford. Um, so what are you saying? Score prediction and just quickly, in five words, how Ipswich going to take us on? Well, <laughs> with great difficulty, if you play like you normally play at um, Griffin Park, Hopefully we'll be open and play with freedom. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Ben Rama. He's obviously um, on on fire and um, with my kind of balanced, non-biased hat on, um, looking forward to seeing him. But it's obviously going to be a long, a long afternoon, uh, a long evening. Um, I don't, I don't want to come on here and be totally defeatist, but we're going to have to get a bit of luck to come away with anything because I can see you guys creating your normal amount of chances and, uh, maybe we defend well and maybe a judge set play or a counter-attack or something of that nature might get us on the on the score sheet. You You're know, going 1-0, Ben? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no um, chance. <laughs> no, um, I, 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 I think we, we may score, but I... I think I think you'll win probably quite handily. Hope what? you're right. Well, you're okay. a popular man in the studio. Lovely right. to talk to you, Ben from Blue. <laughs> I'm Monday an honest man. Podcast. There Cheers, you ben. are indeed. Cheers, Cheers, ben. Cheers, Ben. And of course, there is a cup final for Brentford before then. That's right. It's a cup final. It's the London City Cup final. Wingate and Fidgley, 7:45 Tuesday night. Go there. The bar's very nice. People are very nice. Brentford are playing Welling Town. I think it's Welling City. Welling. Welling. Anyway, they're playing Welling. Welling. So get down there. Go and support Welling. the B's B team, and then and then you could just sort of leave. And then Wednesday, you can get down to Griffin Park for us to play Ipswich, where I think we're going to win 3-0 and you can also catch the podcast 3-2 3-2 everyone's optimistic it's wins and you can catch the podcast live Thursday 7am pride of West Dot London and we'll say see you next week on the Brentford Fan Show thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.